Morning or even good afternoon now. It is uh, 22 minutes to one o'clock. Uh, James Ross here on the Morning Brew through until one. And for our final guest this morning, we're going to be joined by author, commentator and branding expert Martin Lindstrom, who back in 2009 was named one of Time magazine's most influential people. And uh, we're going to find out from Martin a bit more about perhaps how to cut out the bureaucracy and cut through the, the red tape in our lives. And uh, he's just got a new book out, which is called The Ministry of uh, Common Sense. And he joins us on the line now and uh, we were just speaking to JC from uh, um, Venice in Italy just a moment ago also very early but uh, Martin is in uh, is in Switzerland Martin it's very early for you you've been watching the chickens this morning I understand <laughs> yeah, I have it's the first time ever I tried to wake up chickens they're normally waking me up <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us at this very early hour uh, at, at your end. And, you know, you've spent most of your career working on all types of branding and uh, uh, looking at how people uh, package themselves, how organisations package themselves. And why don't we start there before we get to the, the stuff about the bureaucracy and uh, the red tape with the new book. Now, one of the people that you have been involved in branding um, is Tyra Banks, right? Yeah, that's right. Actually, Tara and I have worked together for for many years and she started off the America's Next Top Model concept and ever since I've been her kind of her mentor, but also working on how to expand her brand uh, globally. So what's interesting about this, James, is that you should not just think about branding as a product, perhaps even a country, but also people. You and I can be branded, right? Mm, mm. And I think that's something that's very, it's, it's very interesting that, isn't it? Because you've done a lot of work on this. And for instance, I was looking at a little video that you said uh, that, that you produced about uh, personal branding and some tips on that. And one of the things I'm going to take your, your thunder a moment for the first tip was that you should always um, dress in a particular way. So people recognize you and know you. And, uh, uh, and you said that you always wear black. Is that right? Yeah, I do. I'll tell you the truth, James. And listen, this is crazy. When I was younger, I looked really young, right? That's not the case anymore. And a guy called me and he said, listen, you look too young. You had to wear black, then you look older. So I was stocked in black when I was fairly young. Now I look old and I'm wearing black, which makes me look even older, which is really a bad (laughs) move, right? But But you're stuck with it, right? Yeah, I need to have brand consistency, right? No, listen, the reality here is that if you have a look which is consistent, what happens is when people see you on television or online, they immediately recognize you. It becomes kind of your look. It's a little Mm. bit like if you take a Tiffany box, it's always blue. If it suddenly changes to red, you kind of wouldn't recognize it. And I think that's really the issue. So definitely that's one point. And, And I think a second point which I would look out for if I was you is to own one word. Mm. Now, this kind of sounds crazy, but let me give you an example. If I go into another industry like the car industry, right, and and I take the one word safety, what car brand would you think of? Oh, good question. I would probably think of Volvo. Volvo. Here we go. Now, you and I did not plan that. That's true, right? Right, true. We didn't. Well, here we go. 92% of people on planet Earth in the Western world would say Volvo. Now, here's the issue. Volvo has really never said that they are the safest car in the world. And what's really interesting is their marketing budget is one-tenth of anyone else of the same size. So Hmm. how did they get to that point? 
Well, they did that because in 1959, they were the first to employ a person from the Swedish Air Force. And he actually introduced a three-point seatbelt. They were the first to invent the mm. airbags in the side of the car. Mm. And they were the first to invent the seatbelt alarm, which I still hate them for. But, <laughs> but I guess the story here is very simple. They consistently are focusing on one word, which is safety. Now, here's my question to you, James. What is your one word? I, I, I was going to say to you, Martin, what do you think my word should be? Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. I'm a consultant. I'm paying for people to give their, their advice to me, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good question, isn't it? What, what would a personal word be? And I suppose, is it, is it something that describes my attitude? Or is it, just, is it something that describes what I do? Well, listen, that's a really good point. So let me give you a couple of hints and then you and I can talk about that later on because obviously you do not have your brand in order right now, right? <laughs> obviously <So>, not. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> here's the reality. Creativity is to combine two ordinary things in a mm. new way. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm derailing, derailing a little bit here, but back in the days I invented a term called neuromarketing. It's to combine neuroscience science and marketing and that became neuromarketing the best way to get around this is to combine uh, two different words in a new way and create your own space which, be which become yours so if i take tara banks uh, we invented a word called fears fears and smice smice means you're smiling with your eyes fears is you have courage to do things out of the ordinary. Mm. These are her personal words. So what I would recommend you to do is to say, what is the attitude you have, which is slightly different from everyone else, combine that with another word. And here we go, here you have your one word. So and here's the question, of course, why is that so important? It's important because today we are bombarded with information across every channel, right? So if you want to stand out you have to align every single signal you send out to the world. And you can do that by having this one word in front of you and then you basically optimize everything, whether that's your Instagram feed, whether that's what you have on Facebook, if you have YouTube videos, or if you just are in the public domain in terms of television or radio, right? Mm, mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I suppose, and so that ties back to the to the clothes you're wearing. It's your whole image, right? And and, and what would be the? I think there were three tips you were particularly suggesting in the, the video I was looking at. Absolutely. You know, for, from from my point of view, the the third tip would be to actually create certain phrases, um, which becomes almost a ritual, right? Um. If you think about well-known people across the world, you will probably recognize them from the phrases. If I take a character, for example, and I say, my name is Bond, then I think you can, you can probably end the sentence, right? Absolutely. Yes, James Bond. <laughs> and, and if I say, I want to have vodka martini shaken. <laughs> Not stirred, yeah. Okay. There we go. So what I'm saying, I know this is a fictive character, but really the reality is that whether you're running meetings and sessions or whatever, if you have a signature line you always work with, people will come to recognize you for that. And actually, you know, what's fascinating is that becomes part of your brand. And the more of those small emotional hooks 
you place around your brand, the more people will remember you because it suddenly can you know, connect the dots and kind of feel related to you, but also feel that you are familiar. And in a world where there's 7.5 billion people, well, then you really need a little fam- familiarity in order to stand out, right? So, of course, we should ask you, what is your word and what is your phrase? Well, my word personally is to basically be brutally honest. Mm. And brutally honest is kind of very rare in the business world, particularly when you have paying clients and you want to be nice to them. But if you know my clients, you also will know that that's how I deal with them. I call a spade for a spade. I go straight to the point. Um, So that's one of the points I have. And the reason why that's super important is because a lot of companies have lost contact with uh, the consumer and they live in their own little bubble. And in that bubble, they kind of please themselves internally. They have this bureaucracy and politics and all that stuff. And they feel happy there, but slowly they're drifting away from what the consumer actually wants. So one of the things I'm doing is to reconnect them with the consumer and basically represent the view of the consumer inside the organization. And I have to tell you one thing, James, quite often that's very hurtful because Mm. I'm going to tell people that what they're doing is pretty much rubbish. Mm. Mm. But it has to be done, doesn't it? Yeah. It does, yeah. Now, you're a bit of a commentator and uh, uh, about various different subjects, and you are also, also uh, quite familiar with Hong Kong. You've been here on uh, many occasions, right? Many occasions, probably more than 100 times, I would say. Mm, mm, mm. What do you think of Hong Kong? Well, it's one of my favourite cities in the world by far. Uh, it's absolutely stunning. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And I have to tell you, I also I feel kind of a special relationship with the place. But also, of course, like everyone else, I know is slightly scared about what's happening. But it's an amazing place, uh, which you guys can be so proud of. And what what could we do better about branding for Hong Kong? Do you think I'm putting you on the spot here a bit? But uh, are there are there better ways that we could get uh, our message out about uh, what a great city it is? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you something which, remember my brutally honesty, I'm going to say mm. something here which is slightly hurtful because here's the issue. Hong Kong until recently was well known as a trading hub into, in particular, China, of course, but also to Asia per se. Um, and it was the place where banking was running. It was the financial hub for, for Asia. Um, I have to tell you, you're losing that right now, big way. And your biggest competitor is, is Singapore. Mm. And what's going on in Singapore is they're land grabbing. No, minute by minute, they're taking away the conference business, whatever is left these days. They're taking away the travel hop. They're taking away the financial hop. They're taking away that whole trade and fair hop. All of that stuff is, is basically disappearing. And it's disappearing, of course, beside the obvious reasons, which we all know, it's also disappearing because I think the signals that Hong Kong is sending out are very diffuse right now. People are hearing more noise than they're hearing that one word. So my question is, in the past, I would have said Hong Kong is the financial hub. Today, I don't think you can own that word. You're simply losing it. And that's very sad if you get what I mean. How could we up our game, do you think? I think there has to be a unified effort behind the scene to, uh, first of all, come together and ask yourself, what is it you want to stand for in the future? What is the one space you want to own? If you want to own uh, the financial uh, space, you want to continue the ownership of that. uh, I think there's three things to be done. First of all, we all heard about China coin. 
uh, we all heard about a lot of other type of Bitcoin type of a blockchain based uh, currencies. Well, you no, know, Hong Kong could go out and be the leader in that and claim ownership. Now, I'm, I'm in Switzerland right now. In Switzerland right now, we have vending machines selling you no know, blockchain, so Bitcoins. Um, they are starting to get ahead of their games. Um, that's a financial hub, you could say, partly for Europe. What is the initiative which Hong Kong want to do where you clearly are on the bleeding edge? So that would be one thing. The second thing is, I think it's super important for you to establish a media which clearly communicates this to the world. I mean, there's no, it's not a coincidence that you have CNN and you have BBC World. Both of those media are established in order to create a very strong point of view and a voice which uh, you would link back to the countries. What is the voice which Hong Kong has? What is that media or whatever channel you have which can consistently communicate to the, to the outside world and reinforce that financial ownership? And I think the third thing uh, from my point of view would be to align all the physical activities as well. So do you create huge trade fairs in a virtual format similar to what you're seeing in Spain around mobile and, and smartphone technology? What is your number one hub? No, you have a lot of, you had a lot of trade fairs, but I never really had one fair in the financial sector where I would say, hey, you guys clearly own that uh, globally. Now, this is, of course, assuming that finance is what you want to own and maybe it's something else. And I think that's the issue. The fact that I'm saying that is in its own right a problem. Now, the other subject that is close to your heart at the moment, and actually close to all of our hearts, is uh, is bureaucracy. And that's one of the things that's bogged down many countries in many places, and Hong Kong is, is in the mix there as well. And uh, cutting through the bureaucracy and cutting through the red tape um, is something that I think we'd all like to do. Uh, your latest project is uh, a book that you've brought out called The Ministry of Common Sense. And, uh, I mean, maybe it goes back to what you were saying just now about being brutally honest. Uh, you know, some of the things that we need to do maybe to, uh, to to cut away all of this stuff which is stopping us doing things, right? It is absolutely crazy what's going on right now. L let me just tell you a quick story here. This is crazy, right? So the other day I was sitting on the plane uh, flying from, from Northern Europe to Switzerland. And as I boarded the plane, the stewardess made an announcement. She said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome on board on this Scandinavian Airlines. I'm pleased to inform you that all cabin service has been completely suspended on the entire flight oh. due to COVID-19. Mm, uh, <laughs> I was like, all passengers, you know, was looking at each other thinking, what the, pleased to announce. And then this, she continued saying, hey, um, uh, you have to be aware of that the lavatories in the front of the cabin is are exclusively reserved for the cabin um, crew only. And you have the lavatory, the one lavatory in the back, which is for you in order to protect all passengers for COVID-19. <laughs> now, those 123 uh, passengers on board on this plane which now had to line up and pass by every seat to get into the one laboratory wow. in the very back. Wow. And then we continued, this is even worse, right? Then it continued, then we had to fill out those forms uh, to sort of say, where have you been to contact trace you, right? Mm, mm. And the first question in the form was, have you touched anyone recently or anything which can be infected? Well, guess what? No one had a pen on this flight. So the cabin crew was circulating the same pen through the entire plane. <laughs> Now, this is what I call, <laughs> no, the lack of common sense. 
And this is really the essence of my book. It is that common sense is completely gone. Right now, COVID-19 is used as the world's best blanket excuse for anything. Now, of mm. course, I respect it. Of course, we're all impacted by it. But right now, it's going to the extreme. And I think in companies, you feel exactly the same. Um, you know, the reason why the Ministry of Common Sense became a reality was because one of my clients was the Standard Chartered Bank, which I know you're very familiar with mm. in Hong Kong, in fact, reached out to me some time ago and they said, hey, we would like to clean up our bureaucracy internally and create smooth sailing. And overnight, one lady said to me, uh, I am sick and tired of the lack of common sense. And I said to her, so what are you going to do about it? And she said, I want to create a Ministry of Common Sense. <laughs> and literally, we started up the Ministry of Common Sense inside Standard Chartered Bank. It's still running on its year three, I believe. And it's cleaned up thousands of rules and compliance and regulations and red tape and actually made people's life easier by a simple approach to question what we're doing and find a new way to do it. And we need to apply that to our lives in general, don't we? <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, have you tried that you're standing in an elevator and then you press the elevator button five times because now you want to go express express speed to the 16th floor? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why is the common sense here, right? I mean, it's everywhere in our world. And I think his issue, common sense comes back to one thing, which is empathy. And empathy is the ability to see the world from another person's point of view, to put yourself in the shoes of that person. Now, this is super fascinating. Listen to this. What we have learned is that the degree of empathy actually has dropped 50% over the last decade alone in the United States wow. among the younger generation. And the reason why is because we have Twitter where you have to express all your emotions mm. in about 100 plus characters, right? It, it's also, and James, I think you will love this. This is crazy. It's also because of Botox. And guess what? Botox. We now, yeah, Botox. We now know that the more Botox you take, the less facial expressions you have. Oh, and those right. micro movements mm. are indirectly telling you about mm. the person in front of you. And the best evidence to that is some clinical studies done across the world, including here in Switzerland, showing that when mothers with newborn babies are using Botox, their relationship to the babies is diluted with up to 30% because babies suddenly can't relate to their mothers. Wow. Right? Mm. So what? It's crazy, right? So what's happening here is empathy levels around the world is going down. But empathy is also the ability to see the world from another person's point of view, i.e., is this making sense? Is mm. this stupid? Is this illogic? And that's the reason why we have a problem right now. Because what's happening in our world is that we are very self-obsessed. We see the world from my point of view. I'm right. Just take a look at the US at the mm. moment. Mm. And that means that silos are created in organizations. We have, we have no shared KPIs. We're not interested in what the other department wants. And we're certainly not interested in what the consumer wants because my boss is the one paying my salary, forgetting who really is paying the salary in the end of the day. So we've got to listen more. We've got to put, our, put ourselves in the shoes of other people. 
Yeah, that's that's super difficult. I mean, I'll give you an example about how I've done it. So over the last 15 to 20 years, I've spent time in more than 3,000 consumer homes across the world, living in those homes in more than 88 countries. And the reason why I've done it, and I, I tell you, it's, it's hard work, but the reason why I've done it is to feel what other people are feeling. And actually it's helped me to keep myself grounded. And I wrote a whole book about that called Small Data, because I believe that we're so obsessed with big data today but I actually think the opposite is to look at the human behavior. And that's what I define as small data. And, and to give you an example, recently I dressed up as a woman with a burqa in Saudi Arabia to understand how women felt and how they feel uh, when they have tribe pressure and they want to drive a car. So putting yourself in, in other people's shoes, basically. Martin, we'll have to leave it there because we've got the, we've got the news coming up. Um, the book is called The Ministry of Common Sense by Martin Lindstrom, uh, author, uh, commentator and branding expert. Martin, so much thanks to you for joining us so early there this morning. Thank you.